Hello, this is Ian McNabb from the Icicle Works. And you're listening to the New Wave Music Podcast. Well, welcome back to the New Wave Music Podcast. This is Steve. T-Bone is still out on assignment and unable to join us today. However, I'm joined by a member of an iconic new wave band. His signature guitar sounds can be heard on such songs as One Thing Leads to Another. Saved by zero. Thoughts that leave me chasing after my dream is only blood and danger. So maybe I'll lose it by zero. And secret separation. That's right. I'm joined by Jamie West Orm from The Fix. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. It's a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for inviting me. So, Jamie, if we can ask, what got you initially started or your interest in playing guitar? Well, I'm the youngest of four, and uh, I grew up in a a house full of music. My older siblings and my father, actually, they they bought a lot of records. So I had the luxury of um, hearing all the the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and the Kinks and the Beach Boys and you name it from my older siblings and my dad travelled a lot. He'd bring back uh, records from the from uh, from America and also uh, from uh, the Caribbean, you know. So he so I and there were classical records in the house too. And I think the one that really made me want to pick up a guitar or learn the guitar was my generation. My brother bought me. He didn't know he didn't buy it for me, but he bought it, and uh, so it was. I blasted it all day in the house and and picked up a tennis racket, and that led to I thought, gotta learn a proper instrument. Actually, my dad taught me the ukulele when I was nine, and as soon as my hands were big enough, I I tried out the guitar. He had a guitar as well, and so did my brother. I never thought I'd uh, do it for a living, but I I loved it. I was uh, I became a, a guitar addict. So The Fix wasn't the first band you were actually in, correct? You were in a band prior to The Fix, I believe, right? Yeah, uh, immediately prior to The Fix, I was I was in Philip Rambo's band. He's a, a guy from Canada that's lived over here for years and years. But back in 79, I, I was in his band. Uh, it was a very good, he's, you know, I'm surprised he never made it. A very good singer, songwriter. It was kind of, imagine Van Morrison on steroids and... 
speed and all sorts of drugs, but he wasn't himself. But that was the effect of the music. It was very powerful and fast. Uh, we had a great rhythm section, Blair Cunningham on drums and Dave Cochran on bass. They were from Memphis. and We were in England. Nobody could understand a word they said because of the strong Tennessee accent. And they were uh, a couple of wild guys and they got into all sorts of trouble, but they were very nice fellows and excellent players. And that, that was good grounding. You know, we did some touring around the UK. And The Fix, I believe, was, a, was kind of around for about a year before you joined them. Can you tell us how you came to join the band? Well, I, 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 uh, I actually picked up a, a copy of Sounds, the music newspaper, but I got the wrong, I got last week's copy by mistake. And they'd audition, auditioned about 80 guitar players and given up. And then I saw the, the phone number and phoned up and uh, they invited me along. And it was an audition, really. And they explained how they wanted to change direction from a kind of power pop thing to something a little bit more experimental. And they had their own setup. They, they rehearsed in a derelict factory, effectively squatting in Vauxhall. So, and they seemed very well organized and, and kind of fun and uh, creative. So I thought I didn't really want to join a band, but I did want to co-write with people. So that was the reason I joined. And we kind of clock in at nine every morning and work for a few hours and then do a gig in the evening. That was the, that was the routine. We play the small clubs around London. That's how it. Yes. As they say, the rest is history. You guys yeah, over 40 years now together as a band and quite impressive last year the fix just dropped their latest album every five seconds and on that you did some vocal work for the track women of flesh and blood a woman of flesh and blood i want to touch you woman of the What led up to you to actually doing the vocals on that track? I turned up to uh, album re- re- rehearsals in London, and I said, "Look, I've got this song, Woman of Flesh and Blood, and uh, I've gonna, done a demo. I'd like to play it to you." And they said, one of them said, probably Sai, "Why don't you just sing it live?" So I did as best I could, and the vote was that that I should sing it. I thought it would end up with Sai maybe changing some of the words and singing, but I ended up, they kind of voted me in. So I thought, yeah, I'll try anything once. Song is it's about my wife, Bibi, who's a, a crazy but wonderful human being, you know, still going strong. That's awesome. I had no idea it was about your wife. That, that adds another layer to that song. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, last year on the podcast, we reviewed every five seconds, both T-Bone and myself really liked it. It's been, t- it was 10 years between albums before every five seconds and the one prior to that yeah is yeah. there a chance we'll see another fix album in the near future um i think there's um, there's every chance yeah i think we're we're gonna keep knocking out songs you know the fix is one of those bands that after 40 years basically all the original members are still together is there sort of a shorthand that comes from that history of you guys being all together never really went your separate ways we had a some like, you know, i think one one short period where we went our separate ways but then something kind of brought us back together and uh and it's all about the music really that's that's what kind of makes it tick along you know and uh well of course everyone had the 
during the lockdown, everyone had to kind of hibernate to an extent and keep out of everyone else's way. And of course, the, all, all the bands had to fold at that point. That's when I, I wrote and recorded my solo album. Uh, it's called Skeleton Key. But um, I couldn't release it straight away because the, the band, you know, we had the, the Fix album and I didn't want the two things to clash. So I waited till every five seconds had been out for a while and then released uh, my own album a couple of weeks ago. You know, Jamie, I swear you've got a copy of my notes that you're reading off of. Um, so you're, <laughs> you just dropped your first album, Skeleton Key. Sounds like maybe COVID led up to the release of this album or the creation of this album. Kind of what was... How did this album come to be? That is led up to the creation of it. Yeah, um, it's like okay, this is this thing's hit the whole world. Uh, what what do we do, and what do I do? I've got a shed. Um, I've got a guitar, some amps, some mics, a laptop, and a shed, and a fun wife. So I'll start recording, and uh, I I teamed up with um, with Nick Jackson, who's who's recorded with the fix quite a lot uh, he's a good friend and we did this remotely what what i do i did all the recording of instruments apart from the drums which went on the last minute but i would uh record a track get it started send it send these off to nick so and he compiled a list the a list the b list the dump it list you know so he's like a good taste maker he gave me some good advice what 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 do we need now what what kind of track do we still need on the album? And so it came together that way. And what happened, the weird thing, when it was all done, we each sent a proposed um, sequence, a running order of the album, agreeing, okay, we're not going to consult about this. We'll each send a list to the other by email. And they were exactly the same. So it kind of just had a natural flow almost as if it had been written um, as a concept, which it hadn't. It was just kind of bits and pieces that just landed in the right place sort of thing. And the drums, uh, Tom Ashcroft, he, I wrote out all the drum parts. Tom is a, a great drummer, but he's also a, an amazing sight reader. So I put the, the charts in front of him and he knocked it all out in two days. That was the last thing to go on. So I'd, I'd recorded guide midi drums uh, but he replaced all those and then mixed it a guy called james arter mastered it and it's out and my son jack did the did the cover design bb did one of the designs in the middle my step granddaughter marla did one of the pictures so and so it's kind of like a family thing in a way well that's great so the, the album of the title is called skeleton key is there a specific meaning behind that title well there are all kinds of meanings but uh to be honest, I got the phrase. I was watching a, a really good kind of online lecture by the legendary Richard Lloyd, who was uh, best known for being one of the guitar players in television. He's incredibly knowledgeable about how music works, the theory behind it. And he, and so I was riveted by this. And I recommend, if anyone can find it, Richard Lloyd. I don't know the exact name of the lectures. But um, he came up with the phrase skeleton key, and I was looking everywhere for, an, for a title that hadn't already been used. So I thought, that's the one. So it hasn't really got any, I don't know, it has a connection to everything. And I, I renamed a couple of the titles. One of them is called Forging the Key.
turning the key. the end so and that kind of inspired jack's picture of the skeleton key the fish with a key as a tail sort of thing yeah it's a great picture so i found the album very engaging especially all the layers that the album had on it from the funk sounding instrumental track knuckle down to a song that I really enjoyed, Cuckoo's in the Nest. Is there a track or tracks that stood out to you in recording this album? Um, well, I'm quite happy with those two um cuckoos in the nest is proving quite popular with people who follow uh, the band of my my own stuff um there's a there's a track um the track forging the key second from last I, I'm quite happy with that. That was an experiment. I decided to pick, I threw a dice and took the the numbers as degrees of a scale. I'm quite geeky in that way and decided it's going to be a whole tone scale. And I can't remember the actual notes, but they, I looped. I had these four notes, very long, each one, two bars each, I think in sequence throughout the track but change the harmony on top it kind of worked it starts off quite uh fairly easy on the ears and gets more and more dissonant but anyway that's one of them well i gotta tell you that when i heard knuckle down prior to the release of the album i didn't know what to expect i was pleasantly surprised on how balanced the album feels i believe only the tracks claustrophobia we'll shake the hand of a stranger Cuckoo's in the nest. Like the sea in Cuckoo's in the nest. Imposters. Little emperors. They feel Collision blues. Someone tell us the truth.
and split me in two. vocals on them was more tracks being instrumental part of the plan or is that just how the album evolved um actually my plan was to, for it to be all instrumental and then nick said to me why don't you throw on a couple of vocal tracks and i was a bit reluctant but i thought okay just as a challenge i'll do that so i i came up with um collusion blues and uh claustrophobia and then i just couldn't stop myself i enjoyed the songwriting process the lyrics and everything so much that I ended up with four. And uh, so very briefly, the um, Collusion Blues, which is the first actual song, um, that was just a reaction to the what I perceived as misinformation um, uh, coming through the media, maybe not the, the newspapers, but more the internet kind of misinformation and certain politicians' campaigns um, leading us up the garden path, as kind of, and I, it was just a plea for the truth. You know, if something sounds like, you know, I'm just asking people not to get too easily caught up in slogans and um, catchy phrases, and just what is actually going on here. That's the kind, that's the idea with that. And you know, could be an election that's claimed to be rigged, but actually isn't. Something like that, for example, just as one example. And uh, Cookers in the Nest is about irrational fears and how our heads, I don't know about, it, maybe it's just me, but I think it's most people get these irrational fears and unwanted thoughts. And we can just go, okay, I don't want that thought anymore. Go away. It's just, I reckon that's possible. You know, and how, you know, we wake up in the morning and realize that all the things we've been worrying about in the night, actually, it's nothing. It's really nothing to worry about. So that's that well, one. I mean, yeah, and the track Claustrophobia really stuck, stuck out to me as well as one that was written probably back in 2020 and really kind of summed up that whole nightmare yeah. of, of a year. But yeah, it's, it, it really is what it is, cla claustrophobia. It's just, um, it's like a diary of what seemed to be going on. And But I wanted to throw in a, a ray of hope, you know, so yeah. you know, maybe they will see the light. And this was before the, the vaccination program it was even thought about so and that did arrive and i know there was again skepticism about that but you know i believed in it i didn't think it was a i didn't think it was a secret ploy from bill gates or anyone else to fill us with weird that was just nonsense you know pure and simple the vaccination to just make everyone safe again yeah well i really liked how the lyrics on there and how you how it stuck out some of the songs you can tell were written maybe in 2020 don't hold up as well or ones you don't really want to revisit this one actually i really like and i think it is that dash of hope that you had in there that's interesting yeah, that yeah. you had that before all the rest of 2020 played out yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's a great album and i'm not, not just as a fix fan probably wasn't a fix fan i'd still appreciate that album and really enjoy it but it looks like come this fall, you're going to be getting back on the road with The Fix. I believe starting in November, you guys kick off a tour in Austin and kind yeah. of towards the East Coast in the U.S. Any chance we might see The Fix expand their tour or tour the West Coast eventually as well? Um, well, um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen uh, this year, but, you know, but certainly, you know. Hopefully next year we get to see it. Yeah. Finally, I have a question from yeah. one of our listeners. Is there a song that you never grow tired of playing live? 
or do you have a favorite song that you enjoy playing live from the fix that's a really good question um i i always enjoy driven out because of the the message that's even more relevant now than ever before and but also the i just think it's a good song it comes it comes it comes And I like playing, I like deeper and deeper because it's, it's fun, it's loud and it's proud. opinions because it's like we try and make it really dynamic so in the quiet bits you can hear a pin drop that sort of thing always opinions turning you round always opinions turning you down but then they asked for one particular one, but it's hard to choose, really. Well, those are some great examples. I, I remember seeing Deeper and Deeper Live. That's one of the ones you guys kind of, as a staple of a fixed show. The other two songs that yeah, I've had to think back to it, but yeah, those are great ones to play live as well. But again, congrats on, this, on the album. It's actually an amazing album. You're actually the second guitarist that we've had on the podcast to do a solo interview or a solo album. Oh, we, who's uh, the other uh, James Stevenson from the... Oh, yeah, uh, I know Harvard. James. Yeah. yeah, he's a really well, good musician. He's like one of these guys that can do anything. Yeah. He's a great guitarist, but he's good at lots of other things too. Yeah, you guys, you guitarists are shocking me with your solo albums. It's been they're pretty amazing. Actually, I'll, I'll look out for James's album. I didn't know he had one, so thanks, thanks yeah. for letting me. So, Jamie, I, I want to thank you so much for spending a few moments with us on the podcast. I want to encourage all our listeners to go out and pick up Skeleton Key. Where's the best place for him to pick up that album? Just through your website or any digital platform? You can you can get it from all the all the usual suspects. You know, all the usual um, online either record stores. I I actually don't know which ones have it. To be honest, I should know. I should be on top of it. I'm a terrible businessman. Um, I know that you can get it from the the usual um, online those people that deliver things to your door kind of thing. I don't want to advertise anybody, but you can get it from, I think it should be easy to get hold of. Yeah. And I'll uh, make sure I'll put up some links for your website and the fixes website on our, our podcast description as well. I think you can purchase the album from one of those links as yeah. well. And if it's not in your local record store, go demand that they carry it. It's a great album. Thank so, you. But Jamie, it's been an honor to speak with you. Yeah. Thank you very much, Steve. Well, Steve, that was another fine interview. I Really, you should stop sending me on assignment. But hey, we want to thank you for listening. And of course, we do have our social media, if you like to check us out there, Instagram, Facebook. And then please, if you ever have any comments or questions, send us an email, newwavemusicpodcast at yahoo.com. We'll look forward to catching you on the next episode. 